Welcome to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. Here's today's moderator, Rich Brady. Welcome to The Business of Defense, and Happy New Year. I'm Rich Brady, your host and CEO of the American Society of Military Comptrollers. ASMC proudly sponsors this podcast on Federal News Network. ASMC is a premier educational and professional nonprofit association that helps to bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while driving financial transformation in the defense sector. My guest today is Pat Lynch, founder, CEO, and managing partner of Lynch Consultants. Lynch Consultants engineer success with a team that specializes in four key focus areas, CIO advisory and IT strategy, finance and risk advisory, data analytics and data strategy, and program and project management. These focus areas have led to continuous growth over the past decade, and I'm anxious to hear how he got here, what opportunities he is seeing in the federal space today, and where he is taking Lynch Consultants in the future. Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rich, and pleasure to be here. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, as I understand it, uh, you started Lynch Consultants in about 2011. That was right after uh, the Great Recession and just before uh, government sequestration. So, it was kind of a unique period in which to start your business. Can you take us back to that point in time and tell us what led to uh, the founding of Lynch Consultants? Well, interesting question. You know, you can you can never pick your time um, and. All timing is positive and all timing has headwinds and it's always going to be the case. Uh, really, I think what led to it is in our industry, on the consulting side, there are two models of firms. There's the public firms like uh, Accenture and Buzon or whatever, and then there's the privately held firms that are basically partnerships. And each person comes to a point of which, do you care? Uh, and if you care, is partnership something that you want to do or not? And I had reached the point that I wanted to be a partner within the consulting industry. Then it was a matter of where's the right time and place for that. And due to just a number of circumstances over time, it just got to the point where I was very blessed that I had a number of great colleagues and a number of great partners that we just said, okay, now's the right time and place. Let's go out on our own and, uh, you know, we can blame the guy in the mirror. <laughs> so from an organizational construct then, or from a governance perspective, are you a true partnership? Uh, is it a private business LLC? What's the, what's the governance structure? So we are technically and legally an LLC. However, the way that we operate for 99% of what we do, we are a partnership. So we've had a number of partners. We started with five partners in the firm. Three of them have retired and we brought in two new partners. So we do have an evolution of partnership. Part of the rationale for that is going back to who cares and who doesn't care. There are definitely those people in the industry that care very much about that potential objective of being a partner in the firm. And so our desire was we want to have a firm that is attracting all people and that those people who want to and aspire to become a partner, okay, well, it is an achievable goal. It's kind of like the Napoleonic maxim, there's a marshal's baton in every soldier's rucksack. That's definitely a, a motto that we live by. And uh, did you start out as a small business, a registered 8A, or did you, uh, you know, as a partnership, just start out and go after government uh, contracts? So that's a great question. Uh, we were definitely small uh, <laughs> when you know when we initially began work. It was it was me, uh, and the first year of the firm, I think our gross revenue was less than eighty thousand dollars, and uh, the IRS didn't believe me, and I got audited for the privilege of proving what our actual gross revenue was. Um, so from a socioeconomic standpoint, you're automatically a small business, and then there's a bunch of different categorizations of socioeconomic classes. Uh, at the time, some you self-certified, uh, some you went through the certification process for. Uh, so we don't qualify for 8A, and we never went down that path. 
conversely, uh, back in 2011, the whole veteran-owned uh, process was a self-certification process. Uh, this was the SDVOSB was just beginning at the time, and it was, again, a self-certification process. And then we did do the whole certification process to actually be a certified hub zone, historically underutilized business utilization. Yeah. <laughs> so we were a hub zone for the first two to three years. And have you graduated from that? Well, first of all, I'll assume that you passed your IRS audit. Uh, <laughs> yes. I actually uh, offered to hire the auditor. I, I was so impressed <laughs> with them. So people who criticized the IRS, are, my auditor was great. Um, so uh, yes, it did pass. Um, then from a HUBZone standpoint, yeah, that's a really, really narrow certification criteria to maintain that status. So after about two or three years, we, you know, we just notified SBA, we don't qualify anymore, and, and we moved on from that. All right. So today, um, now 12, 13 years later, what's your what's your elevator pitch? Uh, you know, when you're walking and talking to a potential uh, federal client, um, and I know you work not only with the Department of Defense but other federal agencies. You know, what's your what's your 30 second pitch? Good question. Uh, so, Lynch Consultants. You know, we are a traditional management consulting firm, and so what we bring to bear is the financial expertise along with the management consulting expertise that gives you the right combination. Those who want CPAs are going to go after the IPAs, and those who want the IT firms are going to go after the IT firms. That management consulting space is that Venn diagram overlap of which there's not a lot of firms that specialize in that overlap, and that's where we zero in on the overlap between finance, IT, and management. Now, shifting to the strategy side, did you start out with that strategy? Was that, was that your vision in the beginning, or did it evolve into that? That's a great question, and, and anybody who started a firm will always tell you there's <laughs> that which we aspire to do and that which came about over time. Uh, so our initial vision is we thought we would be much more heavily on the financial side. Uh, we also thought that we were going to be much more heavily in the, the Navy and the Marine Corps. Uh, based on uh, two of our partners who are retired lieutenant generals out of the Marine Corps, I had just spent nine years at headquarters Marine Corps, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then circumstances will dictate where you go. Uh, I always, baseball is a really, really great analogy for business uh, on many levels. And one of the great analogies is the game has to come to you. And so as the game comes to you, you take, you take what the pitcher offers, you take where your men are on base. Uh, and so we evolved in a direction that we never really anticipated, but it's ended up being a great path. So would, you, uh, would that be a recommendation for new businesses starting out, uh, small businesses, to say, you know, you know, just follow where the work is, follow the demand signal, and uh, you know, take what you can get? Uh, or is it sticking rigidly to your, you know, your business vision going in at the beginning? Um, and trying to develop that uh, over time, which may be a bit lengthier process. It, you know, both have pluses and minuses. What you really have to do, it's, it's a, to a certain degree, it's a hybrid, in that you have to have a vision, you have to have a value proposition. Uh, I'll go down kind of a, a geeky rabbit hole. Uh, in the consulting world, where we fit in with, with, the federal, with our federal partners, uh, and I, I'm blessed, I've been in uniform, I was a GS employee with the CIA, and now I'm in the consultant. So I've been on all three sides of this. And you know, my view of where we as consultants fit in the perspective, when the government has missions that it has to do, it decides, you know, do I have uniform people do it, do I have GS people do it, or do I have consultants do it? So we are privileged to be able to do work that the government has said, this is important, um, our uniforms aren't going to do it, our civilians aren't going to do it, we're going to have consultants do it. So that's an important responsibility. In that area, then, you have to have three things come together 
both on the government side and the consulting side. So one, there has to be a federal employee or office that has a requirement. As you know, everyone's got requirements. Right. They have far more requirements than they have anything else. There's no shortage of requirements Absolutely. Out there. They're constantly evolving. Number two, unfortunately, the reality is the office has to have funds. They've got to have money. And now you've, you've narrowed the funnel because there are those GS-15s and 05s and 06s that know how to get access to funds, and there's those that don't, and that's just reality. And then the third piece that has to come together is you've got to have a contract vehicle. And of the three, without question, the contract vehicle is the hardest piece, period. So getting back to what's your vision and what's your strategy, you have to adapt to those three variables. Where are the needs, who's got the funding, and then who's got the contracting vehicles. So going back to we thought that we were going to be heavily involved in the Marine Corps. Well, at the time that we did that, the Marine Corps made a strategic right turn in its acquisition process that previously it was very, very pro-small business, and it did all of the acquisitions through the RCO Quantico. And then as we were coming online, a decision was made, we're going to do most of our acquisitions as a part of the Department of the Navy. And so by making that turn, all of a sudden what used to be an open small business environment now suddenly became, this is the purview of two or three large companies. Okay, so now you've got to adapt to that environment and you want to continue to do business and you want to do business in the Navy and the Marine Corps. Okay, well, we're going to do business as a partner to one of the large companies that is in the client field where we have some, some value added to provide. Conversely, okay, well, we also want to pursue our own destiny. So where are there other agencies where our value proposition makes sense that then we can evolve in a different direction? So for example, today, uh, our three main stools are, you know, we've got the Department of Navy, we have Health and Human Services, and then we have Defense Logistics Agency. Well, when we started, I couldn't even spell FDA. No idea what it was. I ended up personally spending seven years working on site at FDA. And frankly, as a consultant and as a citizen, my experience there made me a better person because you start realizing there was all these things that you do inside the Department of Defense that you take for granted as, okay, this is how things are done. And then you go somewhere in a completely different environment to an organization which is, most people don't realize HHS from a dollar standpoint is actually larger than Department of Defense. And there's a lot of things to learn from there that now make you a better consultant and makes the firm a better firm in terms of being able to promulgate good ideas across both sides. Yeah, I look forward to getting into some of those uh, unique opportunities and challenges for the small businesses in, uh, in our second segment here. You are listening to The Business of Defense with my guest, Pat Lynch, founder, CEO, and managing partner of Lynch Consultants. We'll be right back. The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome back to the Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. I'm talking with Pat Lynch, founder, CEO, and managing partner of Lynch Consultants. In 2021, Lynch Consultants was honored as a fastest growing business by the Washington Business Journal. Their competitive advantage is developing deep relationships with their federal and industry partners while attracting and retaining outstanding team members. 
Pat, I'd like to go back uh, a little bit to your background, your personal background. You mentioned you worked on the government side, uh, you've worked on the commercial side, so you've kind of seen it from both perspectives. What unique advantage uh, do you think that gives you uh, when it comes to designing, developing solutions for your federal customers? Well, I, I think it's really imperative for our industry, and what I mean by ours, ours is taxpayers, the citizens, because we all have a vested interest in the government performing as effectively and efficiently as it can. So knowing and understanding in a visceral way what are the advantages and disadvantages that uniform personnel can perform, same with on the GS side, same with on the consulting side, it's, it's really critical. And when we look at programs across the government that have done well, I think in large part they've done well because they found the right people and they found the right mix of people to execute that program. And conversely, when we look at programs that have failed in some pretty spectacular manner, one of the root causes is you're, you're using the incorrect resource to accomplish the goal that which you're trying to achieve. And so therefore, by having that background of having worn the uniform and being a GS employee and been a consultant, we have a better sense of where can we fit and what kind of advice do we give. You know, specifically over on, we do a lot of CIO advisory work as there, we don't do systems development. And, and implementation. That's, that's the world of Accenture and CGI and, and good for them. <laughs> but all of the thinking that goes in before you spend a dollar, before you submit an RFI, thinking through what are you trying to accomplish and what's the outcome that you want to achieve, those are critical perspectives of understanding what, where am I trying to get to and how am I going to actually run this program. And so having that understanding of what each side brings to the table is critical to be able to provide better advice. Now again, you, having worked on the government side, commercial side, you've worked in a lot of organizations, probably some that were high performing, some that were low performing, some that had uh, inspiring leaders, some that probably had toxic leaders. You know, what did you take from all of that uh, the, and what type of a culture are you trying to develop uh, within Lynch Consultants? Uh, so that, that's a good question. I think uh, you know one of the fallacies that you can probably relate to is everybody remembers a few good men and the, and the fine colonel and they think, okay, that's what a leader should be. And I think most of us have discovered over time that probably isn't the ideal leader for most circumstances, uh, though it does make great TV. Um, so, so really, you know, the perspective is understanding the environment that you're in and who is who's your workforce. Uh, so, in the consulting world and specifically within a partnership, we're really a federated environment, uh, much like ASMC is, and how much influence you have over the individual chapters. You know, each individual partnership has a different client base, has a different technical focus. And so the types of people and the types of work that we do is very different. And so having a very, very federated, open and trusting uh, structure is really critical for long-term success. I know you're, you've been a very vocal component, uh, proponent of small businesses. Uh, and truth in advertising here, you're a member of ASMC's corporate advisory group uh, as, as vice chair. You were also um, uh, worked to put together to develop our own small business uh, subcommittee of that corporate advisory group. You know, talk a little bit about your passion for small business and, and why it's important, uh, small business are important in, the, in federal contracting and supporting innovation in the federal sector. Well, I don't think we have time to answer that question, <laughs> but I'll, I'll do the, the wave tops on it. Yeah, so I'm definitely vested in that world. And so when I first got into consulting back in, in when I left the CIA, I've been in small businesses ever since and a variety of different types of small businesses uh, from socioeconomic classes. The small business proposition is really based on one of two buckets. One bucket is you have the, the really the luminary thought leader program. 
where what the government needs access to, not necessarily on a full-time basis, but specific technical guidance and perspective that they're willing to trust in a honest broker perspective. And so there's a whole universe of small businesses like that that are, that are definitely limited, and, and that's what their focus is, is to try to provide that. Um, different from, and nothing against a McKinsey or a Boston Consulting Group or whatever, the government doesn't necessarily need McKinsey to get access to really smart, informed people that can provide different perspectives. And so I think small business, that is a value proposition, and that's one bucket. The other bucket of where small businesses really shine is uh, the old uh, get her done. Um, most of the big firms have other business objectives when interacting with their clients. And that's not a negative and it's not a positive. It's just they've got different ambitions and different uh, impacts of moving the needle for them. Whereas a smaller firm, we're generally pretty much vested in doing the do and getting in there and having technical experts, and whether they're retired chief warrant officers, or whether they are former GS-11s and 12s, or whether they're people who have been buried within SAP or Oracle, but are really the experts in the plumbing and the, the skeleton of how SAP and Oracle work. And they just want to do wrench turning directly with their clients. That's the other value proposition that the small businesses bring, is that we are emotionally tied to our client in a way that there are some great big firms, uh, but they're headquartered in New York or they're headquartered in the Cayman Islands, and those companies that are headquartered in the Cayman Islands, they just don't have that same emotional vestiture with the success of the United States Air Force or of HUD or of whatever that the smalls are going to bring. As I've observed it, uh, you know, many small businesses get squeezed uh, on the one side, uh, they're teaming partners with a big firm um, that's kind of squeezing their margins. Uh, on the other side, you've got government uh, that, uh, again, sometimes uh, you know, makes decisions that don't necessarily advantage small business. They're you know, contracting decisions that can advantage large business. So they're kind of caught in the, in the middle. How, do, how does a small business navigate uh, that being in that space, uh, you know, having, not having a lot of leverage uh, with the big firms, uh, but also uh, being subject to some of this uncertainty from a contracting perspective from the government side? That's a great question, and you are, if you've mastered that, you're ready to start your, <laughs> your own business. Um, no, the smalls, look, we have no leverage. Uh, our, our only leverage is our people and our performance, and whether they're the thought leaders and the industry leaders, or whether they're, hey, we can prove that we can turn a lot of wrenches better than anybody else. So we are definitely, uh, I, I tell everybody who's in the, in the consulting world, hey, look, you have to have a master's in contracting. And there is no such thing as a <laughs> master's in contracting, but you have to. And if you're in the small business world, you need a PhD in contracting and that you have to understand the contracting rules and processes better than anyone else because you have to be able to navigate with the bigs, you have to be able to navigate with your federal clients, and you have to be able to navigate with the contract officer, and you, you've got to be able to understand all the rules differently. And, and part of it, too, that gets back to being flexible and letting the game come to you. There are just some agencies where you realize this is just never going to work. How the agency wants to do its contracting just doesn't align. Or conversely, it perfectly aligns with where you are. And so you have to be flexible and adaptable to understand what are the environmental circumstances of the different agencies of how they go about procuring that third bucket, that contracting side. 
Uh, and then where, where you operate as a sub, it all comes down to personal relationships. Uh, because the contract is rarely going to protect you. Uh, there are some, and there are some historical examples of where, I'll go back to the Department of Navy. Back in FIP2, um, the Navy put in very, very strict guidelines as to how the primes had to use, uh, utilize 30% small businesses, and every quarter, the bigs had to come and sit down with the contract officer and actually open the books and show the distribution of dollars. Again, I know the rules because I had to know the rules to be able to talk to the bigs to show, okay, you have to have 30% of your smalls. Okay, so this is where we fit in, and now what you need is a highly capable firm able to help you to meet your 30% requirement. But knowing that rules was important. And then, of course, it changes, and it, it, it's a lot of work, and it was a lot of work for the bigs, and it was a lot of work for the Navy. They didn't want to keep doing that work, and so they said, okay, well, we're going to change. You still have to hit 30%, but we're not going to check you every quarter, and we're not going to look at your financials. And that's just the reality of how the business evolves. So you've been able to obviously successfully navigate this. Uh, you must have that master's or PhD in, in contracting. <laughs> where, where then do you see Lynch Consultants five years from now? So we are definitely on the chart, chart towards Lynch Consultants 2030. So just like the Army and the Air Force and the, everybody has a 2030 strategic plan, we have a 2030 strategic plan. Uh, and we are on board of that plan. And I'm not going to bore you with all the details. <laughs> but you know, the long and the short of it is uh, we are we've crossed the line on the path of we're going to graduate out of the small business world. So our next destination is to become a viable mid-tier firm. And we've got to get there quickly and we've got to get there in a predictable, controlled way. Uh, once you graduate out of small business, uh, the challenge is you're now competing against the Booz Allens and the Deloitte's and the CGI's and you're not Booz Allen or Deloitte or CGI. So you can compete, but you've got to pick your time, you've got to pick your battle, and you've got to pick the right place where you are as competitive as they are. And there is a reference of, you know, there's this line of small business, and you, you graduate out of that, and this area is kind of referred to as the death zone. It's kind of like mountain climbing. You get up to a certain level, and you're in the death zone. So once you cross out and you start this journey, you can't look back. You just have to stay focused on, i got to get to the top of the mountain, and i got to get through to the point where we're a viable mid-tier firm. For us, we've got to get to 500 employees. And so by 2030, we have to be a firm of 20, uh, 500 people. And so everything that we're doing now is all predicated on, okay, we have X number of years left as a viable small business, and how do we use this time in the small business world while positioning ourselves to make sure we're making positive progress towards hitting that 500 FTE mark? Well, I look forward to seeing, uh, seeing this journey to 2030. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to thank today's guest, Pat Lynch, founder, CEO, and managing partner of Lynch Consultants, for sharing more about Lynch Consultants' strategy, culture, and competitive advantage, as well as the importance of the small business ecosystem in driving innovation in the defense sector. Watch the Business of Defense next month, where we bring you inside the companies working to drive change in the defense sector, to hear directly from their business leaders, and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. And check out ASMC's website at asmconline.org to learn more and register for our upcoming Program Budget Summit on January 18th, where we are discussing the five imperatives for defense financial management in 2024, including PPBE reform, defense reform, audit, talent management, and digital transformation. You won't want to miss it. I'm Rich Brady, CEO of the American Society of Military Comptrollers. You are listening to the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search ASMC. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. 